Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we journey into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. With me is my co-host, Susan Fox. Say hello, Susan. Hello, Susan. And she always does something... It's always something. It is always something. And with us today are the, well... Introduce yourselves. My name is Spencer Coates. And I'm Xander Genre. I'm Kevin Becker. I'm Ryan Shrewsbury. And Ben Thomas. And these are the brains behind Dungeon Master, the stage experience. Or the muscle behind it. Yeah. (laughs) More so the the idiotic brute force. (laughs) (laughs) So why the brute squad? (laughs) So um, Dungeon Master, for our listeners, um, can you describe exactly what it is for us? Okay. It is Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Combined with Monty Python, combined with whose line is it anyway? Minus all of the copyrighted material. You got it. <laughs> Definitely. As much as we try. With an even sprinkling of the Three Stooges. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a stage production, and uh, the audience participates every week. At least a few members of the audience participate in the show and help uh, help act out the show. And because it's essentially live action role play, but on a stage, mm-hmm. um, it can take some pretty interesting turns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, us as the cast, we play the NPCs, the non-playable characters, and we mm-hmm. come up with an adventure. So we have a structure of where we think things are going to go and the plot lines we want to get out. But ultimately, the decision is up to the six audience members that we call up on stage to be the party and go on the adventure. And it never turns out like we think it will. And that's part of the fun. Have no, you, it absolutely does not. <laughs> have you ever had uh, one of those um, uh, dreaded gazebo moments? Where- <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think we have that I can recall. We we certainly have situations where we're like, hey, here's what the situation is. And they're like, no, it's this, right? We have to kill that thing or we have to do this thing. And never so bad as I wanna, I'm going to attack the gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> We yeah, have I'm going to attack that about darkness. halfway through before. Very yeah, true. total TPK, total party kill. Oh, ha- have you had a total party kill? 
Have you ever had that happen? Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. I In think- fact, the creator of Dungeon Master, Bruce Young, um, when he started it way back in the in 83 in Chicago, uh, part of his thing was that he wanted to get a TPK almost every time. He wanted to make it super challenging for the party. And he would end shows just like 15 minutes into it, a total party kill, and then play the end music, and that's that. And people paid to come and see that. <laughs> no, we had, there was one at Magicopolis where they, they, they all died in the first scene. Uh-huh. And then it was the world's biggest party after that. It was like, well, <laughs> let's, let's go next door to the bar, you know, kind of thing. But we, 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 we as say we're happy, but that's yeah, they kind were very happy. But we, we, not getting your value for the money, is it? Well, but that's what we, we don't want that to happen. So we do, we do try to make it so that if we do kill a whole party off, there is a way to get more party members. Like, you know, there's, there are people mm-hmm. that we didn't pick out of Some the hat. backups. Yeah, backups. Yeah. 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 Uh, on average, we usually have at least 12 people who put in a character card uh, to play, if not more than that. Sometimes we've had 20, 20 some people. Uh, when we go to conventions, we'll get an anime expo in Los Angeles, get tons of character cards in. So we have a lot of, of opportunity to, if we get six, we can pull up another six and maybe even pull up another six after that on a, on a really, really good night. Yeah. So who writes the stories? It's a team effort. Yeah, uh, we have a we have a writing team, and we'll we break into groups of three writers per episode, and so each writer has uh, has each episode rather has a head writer, one of our creative directors, and then uh, we'll they'll have two writers with them that will sit down and flesh out each episode. But as a group, we come up with the structure for the whole season because we have about uh, Kevin. We have like twenty thirty people in the cast, right? I think uh, maybe fifteen of them are writers. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> oh my. And then those of us who aren't writers are very involved with where we want the storyline to go overall, like the overarching theme of the season or something like that. Everybody contributes in some way. Yeah, sometimes we do have seasons where it is a continuing story, but there are other seasons where we have basically a lot of standalone performances. Mm-hmm. So it does so that so if you are a potential audience member, it doesn't really matter if you can't gum a whole season. You'll still know <laughs> what's going on. And we tend to recap things. And so if you come into the middle of an arc, you're not going to feel left out. You're going to be okay. Susan and I have uh, been to a couple of them now. And that's one of the things I noted. I got the sense that there was a, gr- a greater overarching story. But you didn't have to have seen every single other episode in order to enjoy the one you were sitting in front of now. Yeah, we like to reward the player or the people that come back every week, but not exclude anybody that hasn't. Yeah, it's a it's a fine balance that we try to hit because we do want the six people who are on stage to have an amazing amount of fun. But we are very, very much aware that there are maybe 20 to 50 people in the audience. They have to have as much fun. And so mm-hmm. I do not write the scripts uh, <laughs> because I'm. I'm simply not good enough. The people who write the scripts really keep that in mind, and they're terrific scripts. Well, it's almost like game design, isn't it? I mean, you hit, yeah. it's, uh, you're, it you're writing good. sort of an open, open-ended open uh, scenario. Um, you have to lead the, the players from the beginning of the story to the end of the story, but within each section, they can do practically anything and often will. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's puzzle like, design. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's puzzle design. It's, it's very much like writing a, a, a D&D campaign or things like that. It's, it's very similar to all those things. Okay, you, you want to strike a nice balance between uh, watchability and playability. So playability, so. speaking of playability, how does combat work on stage? Uh, Nobody's really killing anybody. <laughs> if only it were that quick every time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we do slow motion combat with foam weapons, uh, trying to make the characters look as, as cool and as, her- as heroic as possible to have the combat scenes. We're not looking to kill them in every scene. We're just trying to make the audience look cool and have a structured, awesome-looking fight at the same time. Well, and uh, the other advantage of working in slow motion is you're not as likely to poke somebody's eye out. Right. Yes, Yes, as likely. (laughs) We are very careful about what we allow on stage. You can't take metal on, live steel on stage. You can't take, we even uh, try to keep away any wooden weapons. People sometimes bring wooden swords or things like that and we, we tell them that they can't bring that. Everything has to be soft, it has to be foam, and it has to pass our inspection before we'll let it on stage. We have uh, we have two people who have been with the show since since Chicago, uh, Bill and Bridget, who are at the front door checking that stuff and we're, we're very, very concerned with our audience's fun, but most importantly their safety yeah especially since once you're on stage the adrenaline is going and accidents will happen so we need to make sure we're being as safe as possible right when it comes to that and and i have to i have to uh interject here that the actual cast members uh, all of us who belong to dungeon master we owe a lot to ben here because he has really really worked hard with us so that when we are in battles uh, with either the player characters or with each other uh, that we look good, that the audience is really interested because our fight scenes are really, really well done because we're trained by Ben, you know, how to follow through, how to take a hit, and, and it looks real. It looks good. They forget that these that these weapons are not real and that we're actually in slow motion. It's a little bit like watching really good ballet, and that's all because of Ben. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Spencer. Ben's the violent ballet dancer. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true, actually. That's what they call a fight choreography. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm the fight choreographer for the troop, and we've been adding in full speed fights and all mm-hmm. of that into it as well. Just between like, cast NPCs. Members. For yeah. cast members, yes. Uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, too, uh, what Kevin was talking about, uh, the characters that the people bring, the audience creates themselves, and they come in full costume, full makeup, and they'll bring a lot of weapons and things like that, too, that have to get checked. But, like, all of the character invention is so amazing that, that the audience comes up with, and we have nothing to do with that, really. That's, that's yeah, yeah, like Lieutenant Obvious. Yeah, <laughs> Lieutenant Commander <laughs> Obvious. Well, that, well, yeah, we saw him get promoted. That was was very he exciting. ever? Was he ever? Uh, Someday he will be Captain Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so he started it, out being Lieutenant Obvious. I didn't yes. realize that. Yes. I thought he's, he was always Lieutenant Commander Obvious. No, no. I, 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 it was like season closer last year, and he oh, was okay. he was promoted to Lieutenant Commander. And, yeah. and but he was yeah, still obvious. And and this was uh, for the for your radio audience. This was the gentleman who showed up as a Star Trek in the Star Trek uniform. An officer, yeah, yeah, it's, officer, yeah. It's, it's all it's all mishmashed genres and yeah, it's wonderful. We was a yeah. roller derby queen. Oh, There's... we've had a, oh we've had we had a guy who came as the Burger King and he was 
from the commercial, <laughs> The Burger King. Okay. And he stayed in character. It That's was insane. wonderful. We have had That's a insane. lot of very, very clever people. Um, I think um, at one point we had audience members who showed up dressed as each other. Yeah. Oh yeah, as they're each other's That's, characters. As each other's characters. Yeah, that yeah. was that was a little bit that was that was psychotic. It was great. Loved it. One of my favorites was someone came as Javert from Les Mis oh, yeah. and he sang the whole time. Everyone was everything was in like that kind of rhythmic cadence that's in the talk sing in oh. Les Mis. Yeah. And one of the one of the cool things that's been happening lately that that we've been very much fostering is uh puppets. Like we had, mm-hmm. we, had, we had an episode this season where several people brought puppets. Uh, last episode that we did, we had uh, a woman came with this beautiful dragon puppet that she built, and she was a puppeteer, and she wanted to to have the dragon be a character. And we were like, absolutely, definitely. Yeah. And so we were talking to the puppet and getting all the like we were we were doing it the way you're supposed to, and it was so much fun. In, in fact, be, after beyond getting people on stage, we. Like we really call up six people, and people get so into their costumes, so into their characters that we have a, a, a tavern that we get it's super interactive with the audience, so everyone can get a chance to interact with characters. And we have stores, and we have a full bar, non-alcoholic bar, uh, <laughs> set up, and an, an economy all set up. So it's a full interactive world that every single person, not just the people getting called up, get to actually play with. Oh, and also, I will bring up also, um, we have had children as player characters. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So this is this is really great also, you know, for families who are raising their kids right as nerds <laughs> uh, to, you know, bring their kids and, and get them totally indoctrinated and uh, we'll help the world. And as long we, as you teach them not to punch people in the eyes. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you, fight choreographer. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of the- we do keep that in mind as a cast too, as both the writing and people on stage that it is a family, at least it could be a family show. Like people could be bringing kids so we could try to keep it clean mm-hmm. or at least uh, like in innuendos there, but it's over their heads. We hope. Here PG-13, the, the audience, the audience members that come up tend to not be. Yeah. Many of us, and Ryan makes a very good point is that many of us subscribe to the idea that and especially for myself we're we're better than having to to do the the toilet humor the r-rated stuff mm-hmm. we can make things funny without having to dip into that well and I think that's another thing that makes us really gel as a team and be more accessible to a lot of people because it is just come in and see like just good comedy instead of going to just see how many people can say dirty uh, things. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, how many f bombs <laughs> can you drop in ten minutes? Yeah, yeah. I think so I think you learn rated humor though. I, it's it's great, but that's just it's not a place. But yeah. you know, <laughs> I think that uh, uh, a lot of the reason people laugh at the uh, at the blue language uh, humor is they're laughing out of embarrassment. I don't think they're sure. laughing because it's funny. You know, I mean, you hear the whole audience bust up in laughter, and it's and yeah, it's, it's not kind funny. of nervous. It's, it's kind nervous of nervous. Laughter. Yeah, no, we're I, we really thing. do. I think we we. In fact, I know we're better than that. We don't have to do that. Well, there's nothing nervous about the laughter at Dungeon Master. I got to say. <laughs> I for I you thought, guys. Yeah. When I, I was going to say that was really nervous there, Xander. There was Sorry. this one scene in the last show that we were at. Uh, where the adventurers had to wait in line to see the queen. And in front of the line were other adventurers. And one of them who was seeking audience uh, with the queen was a troll. Uh, 
Yep. A troll oh, yeah. who looked like a cookie monster, more or less. And uh, the first thing out of his mouth was, hello. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Solid impression. That's awesome. We all have one. <laughs> a perfect mic. That is uh, that is one of our creative directors, Mike Axelson. He uh, he made that character up for a, I believe, a convention show where he had to fill in as a bridge troll. And he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. And when I was I was writing this, uh, I actually wrote that episode. I was one of the three writers on it, and I was coming up with who those three people would be. And I was like, well, I'm putting this troll in. This troll hasn't made a full season appearance yet, and I need to see this happen. <laughs> does, does, uh, we, we only saw the, the, the suit about from the waist up. Uh, does, uh-huh. Is there a bottom half to the suit? No, it's supposed to be like a puppet. Oh, it's supposed to be like, so it's uh, b- behind a table stage. Actually, Normally. Xander, there is there is a technical bottom half to it because I've worn that suit before. Oh. Uh, it, he wears a pair of jean overalls and has big furry feet, but okay. jean right. overalls aren't uh, uh, period appropriate. So right. we we switch the pants out. And we we as the cast try to stay we stay in the in the medieval. So let me get this straight. You have a giant blue troll with googly eyes who looks like the Cookie Monster. He's red. He's red. It, oh, he's, yeah, he's pink. He's it's electric pink. Okay, <laughs> electric pink. The and, details. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> you have this giant troll ate, with googly eating. eyes, and you're who looks about like the Cookie Monster, and you're worried about period appropriateness. <laughs> it's a monster. Well, what's not period about a monster? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, <laughs> that's, eating, straight, that's uh, straight out of out of King Arthur, right there. I don't know what you're talking about. I recall, I think Tolkien wrote that, right? right yeah. yeah. And lo, did the pink monsters come or something? That might be the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and and lo, did they eat the uh, the acts of mystery or something? Right. I don't know. But some uh, of the some of the creatures that you create for the shows, the big monsters at the ends. I mean, oh, there's we have always, a wonderful there's dragon. Yeah, there's always like a boss level at the end, and this time it was a chimera. Yes, and I, it was it was like three people pantomiming a chimera and using body parts that you had from the prop room or whatever, and just uh, uh, Bunraku style puppetry. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, my God, it worked! I mean, you, <laughs> you look at this thing and you, it's what the hell? What the hell is that? And then and then the scene starts and you go, oh my god, this is wonderful, you know, this is theater. We we knew real stagecraft. It's not just guys goofing around and playing D and D on stage. No, we knew we had a winner when we found the unicorn mask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, one of the heads our, on the camera was a unicorn. Like, it was our great. costume stuff too. Our, our costume designer Dan Valiant and uh, Xander does a lot of all, all of our makeup, mm-hmm. and he does phenomenal when it comes to our makeup design. is is beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, one of our one of our other uh, one of the other creative directors, uh, the the guy who makes all the props and, and all the monsters and everything, uh, Brad Filman is. Uh, Ridiculous! When it comes to what he can make out of like masking tape and three hours, yes, yeah, <laughs> these things out. And that's an important skill to to have on a on a production like this, where you have to come up with something, you know, several dozen something news uh, uh, every, every week. week. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. not all no, ugly with mon- no money, and with it's no all money. not all ugly monsters. Some of them are very beautiful. The beautiful Fey character. Oh yes, the Fey yeah. Ice Queen. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. And, and her daughter. What? The, I don't know stunning, where that came from, but stunning do it again. character designs and using. I mean, obviously, you know, the 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 budget for creating these costumes was near zero, but that didn't stop you. I mean, it came right. out beautifully. 
Yeah, I think a, a lot of people don't realize when they hear about the show the level of the production value that we put into it, both as like a cast and putting our time and effort and talents into mm-hmm. it, but as like the things that we've we've grown over time, like developing a costume shop by going to like thrift stores or from the the opera sale, and just having a makeup kit it can do wonders from transforming someone from someone wearing something to becoming that character, and we we build and tear down an entire set like a proceeding set every time so yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a group of us that arrives at about 10 to 11 a.m in the morning on sundays and we have to we take this big warehouse space and we pull out about six big tall 20 foot tall flats and mm-hmm. we set them up and we screw them together as our backstage wall then we and they look these, like stone walls yeah, <laughs> like stone dungeon walls we have to put up pillars to give you guys to give it like a wing space hang a curtain and then we have to assemble all the seating as well mm-hmm. so you know our day starts at 10 11 in the morning and then we got to tear it down that night and we're oh, done at you know 11 o'clock midnight that night and you may think oh well the show's two hours maybe and that's a lot of work for two hours but i think that if we weren't doing that amount of work it wouldn't be as amazing as it is for the people who come in thinking oh i'll just go see some fun improv and then it's a world that they can enter and they can inhabit and i that's one of the things about it that i absolutely adore oh yeah i must say it's it's magic um even after you know you're one of the people who have just put it together to then come through it and you we have created a whole world uh w- from the very very front door the land of arcadia mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah that's the which fade. is interesting you know you could have called it the land of y- la canada yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our our worlds is actually called a toll yeah. and, and we're in arcadia is our phase season yeah, yeah. ah the arcade arcadia is the fey world the fey yeah. yes. right and the actual world is the is a toll the world of a toll that was bruce's that was Bruce's invention there. Well, everybody has to pay a toll at the door. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I'm so angry I didn't hear it. I didn't think of that first. Or they don't get in the toll. Yeah. Hello. No. <laughs> Would you guys like to join the writing staff? Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't think of this stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've also got some other qualifications, and we'll discuss that later. <laughs> yeah, we've been uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons since 1975. <laughs> Six. Six. Wow. They weren't born then. Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I hear it. So you can't use it against us. We're not ashamed of it. No, no don't be. Be proud. Kevin's a lot of ashamed. Well, I do. I've done clown and alien makeup. Not at the same time. Sure. <laughs> and I've done, I've done. Oh, honey, try it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> alien? That's great. Xenobozophobia. <laughs> Seriously, just send us a writing sample and we'll start the team. Um, and Susan, watch your language. <laughs> what? 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 So magic on stage. How do you do magic? You no, know, you're not throwing fireballs because of the audience. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's no, the only reason. Ooh, no that's a good paper, idea. No, uh, you don't have flash paper. You don't have... Uh, you're not... Somebody not had some caps, though, the other night. Oh, yeah. Yep, smoke, yeah somebody had... Uh, oh, yeah. 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 That, oh, that was you. That was part of the... That was not a a, a player No, that was a that. player. That was a player. Oh, that was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think... Wizard guy. Wizards. 
Yeah, we yeah. have we do use um, we use the fog juice. We do have a mm-hmm. fog machine which lends atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of it, I think, is is that we just create such a good world um, that the audience, you know, they just keep on going with us. They see. They see this world. Each one of them sees something slightly different, I think. Mm-hmm. We tickle yeah, their imagination, and their imagination just starts filling in all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but well, there's yeah. incantations. And oh, yeah. We, oh, yes. yes. There there's really a lot are. of spell throwing, and there are rules with the spells. Yeah. Tell us about that. Okay. We have, uh, we have, we have a god of, you know, a god of light, a god of chaos, a, whoever happens to be the god for that episode. Um, and they're up in a, a booth, generally, and players or cast members then uh, do a, a short rhyming couplet, mm-hmm. whatever they want their spell to be, and they, they, then they wait, hopefully, uh, for the <laughs> god to tell them if it succeeds or fails, and the god will generally describe what happens, um, like a fireball's hurtling towards you, or you've turned that guy's teeth into chickens. And, um, <laughs> which, which has happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Ryan spell for you. <laughs> that is what I do. <laughs> Only that available for kids parties. Um, <laughs> I love when uh, the I love when the spells go wrong. I mean, oh, when, when the when the uh, the players cast a spell and they haven't thought it through. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, tough, a healing spell has to heal. <laughs> yeah, Xander, say, say that again. It's tough, especially when you're on the spot and like people are looking to you. Normally, it's some kind of situation where someone needs to cast a spell and someone needs to do it now, and you have to think on your feet, like, okay, what I want to do? Heal. What rhymes with heal? You know, peel, schmeal. I don't know. And you just say something, whatever comes to your mind, and sometimes it goes through, but most of the time, it's something goes wrong with it. Oh, like, uh, um, like somebody... they feel no pain, and it was more or less an anesthetic instead of a healing spell. So oh, yeah. exactly. They were all still broken. But, there, but are, there are many times when, when they want to make people whole again and be the way they were, but they don't quite do it, so they have a lot of zombies on their hands. <laughs> the, that happens a lot. Oh, oh, I hate boy. when that happens. We, uh, we even had one episode that went totally, totally chaotic because they the party was trying to break a demigod out of jail, and at the end, like the due to circumstances, the demigod had ended up had ended up dead, but they still needed to get her. So they tried to cast a spell to go back a couple minutes, but they didn't specify how long they wanted to go back in time. And they ended up ten thousand years in the past. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so it ended. Yep. Well, but then it came up again, like uh, in tomes that they had written ten thousand years ago. Characters now in the present, like read about these stories about people who were in the past. So we try to work out whatever the characters do. It does have consequences and effects into the world. Because the, the tagline of the show is, it's your world, play it. And so we really try to take that into consideration. Like, if something really cool happened, we, we had a character, uh, Richard... Um, who <laughs> is Richard, Richard, he was Richard Wraithslayer at the time, uh, a player character. But then he... Uh, he wound up uh, sacrificing himself to slay the big, bad shadow dragon. Maldera Streets. Um, right. And uh, he became Richard Dragonslayer, and his character, unfortunately, is like, you know, can't, can't play that particular character anymore because he's gone down in history and he's super dead. But now, like, super we're dead. We've, 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 we're only slightly dead. The world. Only mostly dead. <laughs> yeah, it is soul death. 
Right. Right. Because most of the time when you die, if a character of yours dies in an episode, there's resurrection spells. There's clerics. We've all done D&D enough Mm -hmm. to know that you can come back in another episode. But there are very rare occasions like like uh, that one where we will say it's only happened once in my entire time there in the couple years I've been the few years I've been there that they've said like that character is dead for good. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. But it always has a lot of weight to it. And they're, they're, he's got a portrait up in the bar. Yeah. He's this great thing of legend now. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell us about uh, the land of Atoll. What's what's Atoll like? Uh, Atoll? Can, can you tell us anything at all? Atoll is like the TARDIS. Atoll is like the TARDIS in that you, when you look at it on the map and we have a lovely picture of it as you come in to the to the theater it looks like a small island but it is as big as our imaginations can make it oh that's an excellent answer <laughs> i love that i love that yes. i don't know if you can hear that spencer do you want to join the writing team <laughs> <laughs> when i get better <laughs> But yeah, we, making it an island kind of lends itself to creating these different pockets of cultures as well. Like you were alluding to, this season was the Fey season, so we had the Land of Arcadia, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a parallel universe type of thing, like a magical pocket. But we also have like the Amazons, they appeared this season, so we've got them in a swamp somewhere in Atoll. Uh, we have like the Vikings, they're, they're up in the northern part of Atoll. You know, and whatever we want for a season, we can create. And there's different bases for monsters, different types of mythology, our different pantheon of gods and demigods that exist. You know, it could be whatever we need it to be. I mean, we went from one season of vampires where it was all pretty dark to the season of the Fae, which is not so dark, you know, or could be. And then we threw in steampunk. Thank you so much, guys. Right. With the gnomes. I wrote that one. (laughs) I love you. And one of the things I think that was the biggest uh, kind of – one of the hardest things for me was separating what I know from Dungeons & Dragons and their monsters and that culture. It's different in Dungeon Master. Like a gnome in Dungeon Master is based off of, in a toll, science and is like a tinkerer or a – a steampunk-based mm-hmm. character, or a kobold, I always pictured as like a rat-like creature. But in Dungeon Master, it's like a bird-like creature. So, you know, lizards, Xander. In, sorry, in my world, <laughs> also in D and D, I always picture them as rats. I thought they were rat people. Kobolds. Well, you know, kobolds are mine, like mine creatures. They, they, they live down in mines. <laughs> no one knows what a cobalt is. <laughs> in the monster manual, they're little lizards. <laughs> I swear I had one that was a lizard. All I know about cobalts is this poem I ran into uh, several years ago. Uh-oh. Cobalt's metal hard and shining. Cobalt's wordy and confining. Cobalt's fall down when you strike them. Don't feel bad. It's hard to like them. <laughs> and that's it. That Can we write mean? that in? Can we write that in? In a script somewhere? That, that's good. That's not good. if it's copyrighted, but if it's not, yes. Not I, it's not copyrighted that I know about. I didn't write it, but I, I don't know where I got it from. But it's, 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 its creator is lost in the annals of history. With the with the dread gazebo. With a yes. <laughs> we have a friend who swears he knows the guy who actually did the dread gazebo like whatever yeah, dude. Uh, we don't everybody knows a guy who knows a guy yeah 
So how did you all how did you all come together to uh, to form this team of of creative crazies? (laughs) Well, for me, I mean, Dungeon Master was an entity and I was minding my own business. And um, I was shooting a film that day and a girlfriend got hold of me on my phone and said, if you get off set in time, you need to come over to this convention Uh, because we have something really cool to show you. And I said, all right. And I got off in time, and I motored over to, I think it was somewhere in Long Beach. And it was Bruce and Dungeon Master. And my girlfriends had put my name into the player (laughs) without telling me. (laughs) And I was just sitting in the audience minding my own business. And they gave me the name of Mal Reynolds because they they knew. (laughs) So all of a sudden I got, I was told, you know, and Mal Reynolds, come, you know, you've been summoned. And so they're, you know, kind of getting me in the ribs going, that's you, that's you. So <laughs> I, I had to go down there and be Mal Reynolds uh, in this show that I'd never even heard of. <laughs> and and so basically, <laughs> and so basically, um, I uh, just had a great time, had no idea what was going on at all, zilcho. And uh, then went on with my life and, and was contacted a little while later by uh, Bridget and Bill, who are the producers, mm-hmm. who said, uh, we really want you to be actual cast member of Dungeon Master. Oh. And, and I have doubted their judgment ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Xander, how about you? How yeah, you uh, and then for me, I saw... I had seen about it, like I had seen when it was in North Hollywood, a a small theater out there, um, and I had never attended. I didn't really know what it was, but I knew that it was kind of like D&D on stage. And so it was in like my subconscious that I knew that it existed. And then I saw a casting call for it. So I actually went in and auditioned, um, and I had to uh, go and improvise and play a couple of characters in front of the the uh creative directors and got into the show and at the time i was in an improv troupe with kevin and so i had mentioned that i was you know auditioning for this thing got in it and it was amazing and it was totally uh, not what i was expecting i was expecting like a little rinky dink thing and that was the first year that they were at the warehouse and were building the giant sets and and it was a bigger scale than i thought it was so i was like you have to come see this you have to come be a part of it it was and it was interesting because xander and i had only been on our improv team for a very short time but uh we had just actually started talking about him coming over to do D&D with us, to join our D&D group as well. And so uh, it was, it just was all very perfect timing of, I think we, you got into Dungeon Master right before you started playing D&D with us. And then we were (laughs) like, we got to see this thing. And then the next season, uh, after we, after many, after several attempts of trying to get there and never getting to see it, Xander told us about, um, about the auditions for the next season, and I immediately sent in my information and got an audition, and, and, and Ryan came with me to that, and it was, it was crazy. <laughs> Super fun. Unlike them, I was a, a player character first. For the first season, I was a player character, an audience member going up and playing characters. And then I ended up joining the cast afterwards because I was the, the fight choreographer and they wanted to start adding more fight stuff in. 
that's kind of the story about how a lot of people have joined the cast is they started off as audience members and players and then kind of gradually moved into some kind of position and then gradually the cast yeah, I think even uh, Carrie, one of the one of the creative directors, was a player at some point, yeah. correct? Yeah. And yeah. Brad, okay, well, learn things. So it's sort of, <laughs> it's sort of contagious, you know, exactly. Like an infectious yeah. disease it doesn't, doesn't go away. <laughs> so um, we have, we have a girl now, uh, Chelsea, who she was just an audience member, and now she's like suddenly helping out with the costume stuff. And I remember specifically last episode, she was like, "How did I get here? How did this <laughs> even happen?" <laughs> yep, that's. Seems to be the average way of doing it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's uh, it just seems so um, contagious. You know, yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's you don't realize what the uh, what the dynamic of it is until you go and see it. It's really, we, it's really. We quite have a wonderful. loyal following too. We've got an audience that comes. We probably average around forty to fifty people that continuously come and put in characters and see the show. I wasn't and sure anyone for, was going to be there on Mother's Day, but it was a. You know, it was a yeah. pretty house. substantial house. Yeah, for, especially for a theater in LA, which is notoriously, you know, under under attended. Yeah, it wasn't in any of the usual districts. I got to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that venue is. It's scary. No, it's not, it's not that bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's part of the uh, world building. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's it's a little. It's a, it's a diamond in the rough at that point. Like it's this nice little like. Oh, hey, this is here. I'm <laughs> glad that I'm inside already. Yes, I will. I will say to anyone who wants to come for the first time, when you get to the warehouse district and you go, I went to the wrong place. You did not. You <laughs> went to the right place. <laughs> there. Well, the vortex out front is a lot more um, a better landmark during during daylight hours because you can see mm-hmm. the the remarkable paint job on the building you know but skulking but, in there at night not but when so you much. do go down there you have to go around the block because you can't go through you have to go around the block and park in the back in the, uh, uh, a Across little tiny street. parking lot that doesn't look like it's actually even a parking lot <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, we do put up signs uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah you do you readable do. And then, once it gets dark but and then once there. you <laughs> once you get into the theater it's it's uh then you've walked into the twilight zone yeah you've you've walked into another world i mean right away mm-hmm. uh, it's not uh you know it's it doesn't look like a regular theater where where you have the foyer and then you go sit down and then uh the the reality that's being fabricated for you is fabricated on the stage no it's it's all around you all the time no it is it is your world play yeah, it is. we want to create that world for you the minute you walk through that door you're in a toll. Well, I'm definitely dressing for it next time. Probably something in the Hobbit line. Yeah. <laughs> and you do actually, you do get a discount on tickets if you come in costume. Yeah. So you will get you get two dollars off if you come in a costume. So uh, anybody out there planning on that? Yeah, pay, it, you know, paying a hundred dollars to make a costume to get two bucks off. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. How, 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 how often time. do you do the show? Yeah. So fifty shows in, you're golden. How often? How often do you do the shows? And do you have an off season? Uh, yes, we're actually about to enter into our off season. We do two seasons. Each one is six episodes for the story, and then we finish it off with a seventh episode where a single player from every previous episode voted by the audience comes back for what we call our trials episode so we do 14 episodes a year we do seven in the fall 
seven in the winter spring and then we take off for the summer um but only 12 of them are continuous story whereas the the trial episodes where the fan favorites get to kind of step up and try to get basically superpowers uh is outside of necessarily continuity Mm-hmm. And, and we Jeff- do on occasion off off season shows at uh, at conventions and um, like Anime Expo or uh, Strategic Con. It's a big one. Yeah, it's the summer season coming on. What conventions are you guys going to? I know we, that we're we doing, have lined up. Oh, sorry, we're doing two shows at Anime Expo this year, which is going to be really great because that's always one of our favorite audiences. Um, and then, yeah, I think we're making an appearance at a Strategic Con. Yes, well, uh, I do not believe we are going. We are going to be able to be at the one, uh, the the upcoming one in May, but we should probably we'll we'll have to see and make sure the schedule lines up because we we love going to Strategicon. It's a great it's a great environment. Lots of fun people and Anime Expo. I, I did my first Anime Expo with Dungeon Master last year, and I was like, okay, it'll be a normal convention. We'll have a nice fun crowd. We walked in. They were lined up. They were sitting on the floor. We had our Dungeon Master T shirts on, and they were like, are you guys Dungeon Master? <laughs> oh yeah! I have never felt like a celebrity more in my life. Yeah. <laughs> anime crowd will make you. So there's, it's a lot of people that come and see the show. The and anime crowd, there is no one like them. Let in. Sorry. Oh, uh, we turned away as many people as we let in last time, which is why we're doing two shows this year. That is awesome. I, I know. It's, it's... <laughs> what else do you do in the off season? She said, trying to lead into the YouTube presentations. Oh yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. Slick. <laughs> uh, well, we all have many other projects going on. Uh, many of us, Xander and Ben and Ryan and I, and our uh, our friend Kelly are on a uh, a YouTube show that is called Under the Table. <laughs> um, that is a a a board game show uh, that involves. Alcohol. <laughs> if you like watching drunk people game, it's hilarious. If you don't like watching drunk people being really funny, you're not going to like this show. Right? But I like it. I liked it too. I wa- we both watched the same show. We both watched the same episode. And uh, it was hysterical. And the production values are high. I mean, this isn't just, you know, like point a camera and run. This is some real studio work. They have a good set and, yeah. and you know. It's good stuff. Cutaways and, like, all the grown-up <laughs> things a grown-up TV show should have. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's good um, stuff. Amazing. Yeah, and we're in between seasons right now. We just we had wrapped on season one, which is ten episodes long, and we like Ben was saying we've got celebrity guests throughout the whole thing, um, including um, Brian Tochi, who was uh, the voice of Leonardo, and he was in Revenge of the Nerds. He's in our, our finale special, which is two episodes long, um, and a bunch of YouTubers or different people from different nerd arenas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the search is on for who we're going to be working with for season two, but it's looking pretty promising so far. Awesome. Yeah, uh, it's it just yeah. it never ceases to amaze me how much of a springboard projects like this can be. Absolutely. It really is. Uh, and actually, at Strategicon for uh, Dungeon Master, uh, Kelly and I were patrolling around. Uh, trying to like pitch the show because we we'd completed the first episode. We had our trailer up before the pilot episode, and we met um, met Darren Ross, actually the creator of Superfight, 
who was like, oh, that sounds awesome. I drink and I play board games and I make board games. Have this game and try it. And like we became friends with him and, and that's started a huge, like an awesome friendship and a, a huge uh, launching pad for We played his game on the show um, and it's just amazing. We got- He's imminently more successful than we are now, oh, but that's yeah. okay. That's all right. <laughs> we <laughs> discovered him. <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're why he's successful. We're the oh, first true. show to have him with Meg Turney. <laughs> so how long, how much gameplay do you, uh, do you do in a show? I mean, some of these games can be, you know, two hours, three hours. Yeah, we try to limit it down to, to around two hours of gameplay. Well, it, the whole shooting is two hours, so we've got to, like a... Uh, but it's a half-hour show. I mean, it's not... Right, exactly. So I I was the one that was cutting for most of it, and I would have to leave a lot of, of great game moments at the cutting room floor just to, for the time, mm-hmm. uh, because we also have confessionals where we're checking in with each other and at our various levels of drunkenness throughout the night and mm-hmm. re- like reciting what has happened so far, what we think is going to happen and so it's about two hours for filming a whole episode mm-hmm. and all of the parts that that go in with it we also have uh creating a cocktail based off of the theme of the night or the board game so that you can make that at home and drink along every time that kevin rings the bell someone loses an eye you take a shot yeah yeah I don't think this was in the episode you watched, but about halfway through the first season, we we realized we wanted to get more uh, audience interaction. We were talking to our friends who watched the show, mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, every time you guys take a drink, I take a drink. And we were <laughs> like, we're going to use that. And yeah. so about halfway through the first season, I, I started creating secret drinking rules where I would kick everyone out of the studio because I, cause I, I'm always the sober one on set. Uh-huh. So I kicked everyone out of the studio, just me and the crew, and I was like, hey, guys, based on what I know my friends do when we game, if any of these five things happen, I'm going to ring a bell. And when I ring that bell, they have to drink, and I would like you to drink as well. And so we we created a drinking game about our drinking game show. Right. That's, wow. That How is meta. really meta. Yeah, and we don't, as the cast, we don't know. We honestly don't know what the rules are. We try to figure it out. <laughs> it's so bad. Ooh, ooh. That's awesome. You know, we got that that board game. We still haven't, you know, interviewed oh, uh, for Bell- the Geeky Awards. I think we it's, need to uh, Belfort. Yeah, I think we need oh, to like sit the, down. Yeah, with the that. winner of the 2014 Geeky Awards for best board game, Belfort. Yeah, it's, uh, it's we about have to a bunch play of- it and then interview the people who made it. And okay. that sounds like the best way to play any game <laughs> for the first time. Maybe we should give it to you. About, but hey, <laughs> maybe we should give you guys the, the game. Movie. And uh, and then run run the uh, video episode on our uh, on, on our web channel as as an insert. Yeah, this is the mm-hmm. high high and high level networking behind the yeah. scenes. As <laughs> Hollywood kids, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is uh, we got a lot of our contacts over the last year because we were uh, media sponsors for the Geeky Awards. Sure. You know, and we got to we got to interview uh, a lot of the people who participated. Yeah, under the table was up for for a category, but didn't get in. <laughs> yeah, you got to say yes. that, Xander. Sure. We'll try again this year. They're 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 taking their uh, this year's uh, applications. Yeah. Well, and now that you've got another you know another season under your belt, you look more you look more solid. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> if, if if not more sober. Yeah, yeah. Certainly not more so. Yeah, right. No. 
But that's one of the things, too, you were talking about with networking. Having a project, I think, is the best way to network and talk to people, especially if you're reaching out for guests and things like that. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's a reason for you to talk to me. It's not just that I'm a fan or that I really like your work. Come and work with me and let's collaborate and make something awesome. Yeah. I did fangirl over, uh, over somebody because of that. So that's cool. Thank you, Under the Table. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, Brian. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the cool part about nerd culture is that it just it allows so many people to be like, hey, I like doing this thing. I like doing a thing. That's awesome. We should do things together. Yeah. And I think our our best moment, uh, for me anyway, was we did a live show at uh, at Bentcom this year and yeah. where we we were playing iDark Overlord and we had drinks and I put the secret drinking rules behind everybody on the wall <laughs> and the audience sitting there in the room with us would buzz everybody as they would hit their drinking rules and it was so much fun and we were having so much fun they were making us drink so much (laughs) (laughs) and it was just so amazing to think that we had we had put this thing together and now there were people who liked this thing that we put together (laughs) who were doing this thing with us and we were just like what's happened this is amazing and he's the sober one yeah (laughs) (laughs) on the show (laughs) oh okay that makes a difference and this is why we do these things we 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 do them because we like to create a a new world for for other people to enjoy you know we like to we like to share our daydreams with other people while we're awake less brain cells yeah yeah (laughs) guys thank you so much for joining us xander ryan and, yeah. ben and Ben and Spencer. Ben and Spencer and uh and Nemo and Yeah, the, Nemo the dog who is dog currently was fast asleep. Um thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Event Horizon. Yeah, thanks Thank you guys so much for having us. Really yeah, appreciate it. And we're looking when is when is the next um uh, next series of Dungeon the next Master series? starts in the fall, I guess. Um, yeah. Yes, we, we haven't nailed down yet the exact dates we're working on that, but mm-hmm. um, usually around September is when we'll get started, like mid to yeah. end of September. The so we usually... The best way to find that is to find Dungeon Master on Facebook, and it's at facebook.com slash Dungeon Master Show. And if you're in the L.A. area, please come come see the show. Uh, say that you heard it on Krypton Radio, and we might be able to get you an extra discount. Give them drinks, ticket, tokens. Yeah. So yeah. cash in the world. Guys, Dragon thank marks. you so much for joining us. It's been great. Of course. Thank this you for really having us. Fun, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> you have just heard the 101st episode of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for May 22nd, 2015. Our guests have been the cast and crew of Dungeon Master LA, the improv live-action role-play theater event here in Los Angeles, California. Your hosts have been Susan Fox and Gene Turnbow. To find out more about Dungeon Master LA, visit happyfluffybunnies.com slash dungeonmaster. That's happyfluffybunnies.com slash dungeonmaster. If you are an author or other creator and would like to be on the show, contact our production manager Kat Carter at katcarter at kryptonradio.com. This episode will air again on May 23rd, 2015 at 4 p.m. Pacific and at various additional times throughout the coming week. See the Krypton Radio website at kryptonradio.com for showtimes in your area. Once all of the airtimes have passed, 
You will find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by Mark Schirmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are copyright 2015 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.